The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of BleedingGreenNation.com. We are recording BGN podcast number 223. Brandon, Eagles, Chargers, Eagles lost. Uh, A lot of the same stuff cropped up. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, how are you doing, my friend? Jimmy, I'm doing well. Uh, I played basketball again yesterday for the second time in two weeks. So I'm coming out of retirement a little bit just for fun, you know, on the uh, the Against people or just like shooting around? No, five, like, you know, pick, pick up five on five, just mm. running with random people. Uh, some of my friends uh, in Philly, it's been fun. Uh, I'm an old man, you know, I'm 30, so I have a lot of rust to shake off, but uh, getting some boards out there, getting a lot of blocks. Five spot, obviously, I'm guessing. Of course, right? yeah, posting okay. people up. I uh, had a nice lefty hook yesterday. I'm, I'm right handed for perspective here, so uh, good job by me. No one cares anyway, though. <laughs> Jimmy, how are you doing? Because I never asked that. I've been shooting around a little bit too at the gym. I actually just bought a new ball uh, kind of recently, and uh, uh, my gym has uh, has a, you know like six uh, uh, baskets there. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to get my jumper back. And mm. I would not play five on five right now. Hell no, because uh, I'm old and uh, I'm terrified of like tearing my Achilles or something like that. So yeah. for me, like I might play like three on three or something. I haven't done that yet. Or if I did play five on five, like I wouldn't. So my game used to be like I'd play really hard on defense and just camp out behind the three line. It was like a three and D guy. And uh, uh, I, I could maybe play that way still offensively anyway, but I wouldn't play the way that I used to defensively because there's no way I'm tearing my Achilles or an ACL or something like that in a pickup game. My old ass can't uh, can't afford that right now. So, uh, yeah. So, little uh, trip down uh, old athletic <laughs> triumphs back in the day. We got that out of the way. Good job. All right, Jimmy. Well, before we get into today's show, which is jam-packed with actual Eagle stuff that I'm guessing people <laughs> care about, unlike that conversation, uh, BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order of the best snacks you can possibly get in your entire life. Jimmy. That basketball part today. was not on the show sheet. But <laughs> no, it was not. But the show sheet is loaded. Yes. 
so Eagles Chargers, what do we learn? Um, you want to start this off with uh, your initial thoughts on the game? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, obviously starting quarterback is always kind of a big topic of conversation coming out of any given game. And I kind of thought this was a weird game for Jalen Hurts in that. Uh, so, you know, I do my winners, losers. I don't know every week. And I didn't know exactly where to put him. I didn't think he was a loser, but like I couldn't, I was like, do I put him in the winners? Do I put him in the I don't knows? And like he did some really good things in that game, obviously. The two drives, the two final touchdown drives were huge. He had some big scrambles on those. He made some really good throws, I thought, in that game. Actually threw over the middle, I think more maybe than we've seen potentially all year, at least, or he had some really good throws over the middle to Devontae Smith that I liked. Um, so there were definitely some positives. But Jalen Hurts himself, after the game, will tell you, or he did tell us, that like the plays that stick out to him, of course, are the throws that he missed. And I think they were really big throws. It's like, I don't think you can just be like, well, any quarterback misses throws. Well, like those are like gotta have it, like game-changing throws that if he hits both of those, the one to Dallas Goddard, where Dallas Goddard was wide open. And I know pressure was coming down on him, but even Hurts admitted like maybe he could have dropped back further on his initial drop and everything. Um I mean, maybe he could have gotten the ball out a tiny bit sooner. Uh, and then obviously the one he missed in the end zone too to Devontae Smith, where he thought there was going to be a blitz and started drifting, but there wasn't. And then he couldn't just make the throw as he was kind of drifting and, he, you know, his feet weren't completely set. I just think those are big missed opportunities. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about Jalen Hurts, Jimmy. I've said multiple times this year when he struggles, it's not like in a way where he's like throwing these backbreaking picks and everything, which to his credit, I think he does a good job of avoiding that. But like, his mistakes like manifest in opportunity costs and the the plays not made. Um, you know, like so, you know, for example, like maybe he takes off running for five yards, but there could have been like a forty yard throw to be made. Like that's a big you know, it's a big difference when you're leaving that kind of the play on the field. And in this case, I think he left at least seven points, maybe as many as fourteen, if the Goddard play isn't a touchdown, or it is a touchdown rather. Um so I think that's costly. In a game that you lose by three points, I think those throws loom large. Yeah, I like the accountability that you brought up, first of all, that, you know, he basically took this loss and he put it on his own shoulders. And it certainly wasn't uh, he certainly wasn't the, uh, you know, biggest person to blame in, in that game, obviously. Um, and your point that, you know, he he and Nick Sirianni li- likes to make this point, actually, that, you know, he can make plays that other quarterbacks can't, particularly with his feet. Uh, but he leaves plays on the field that, you know, most quarterbacks do make consistently and uh the throw to Devontae Smith I thought was the more egregious one of the two that you mentioned uh mm-hmm. even if you do think there's a blitz coming in your and your like the way that he explained it was he was uh fading back uh in the pocket to give himself more time against you know again as you mentioned a blitz that wasn't there uh anyway uh you still gotta make that throw I mean it's it's a it's a it's by NFL standards that's an easy throw to make uh on on what was a very good route by uh uh, Devontae Smith got wide open in the back of the end zone. You have to have that. You have to hit that ball uh, if you want to win games in the NFL, and he didn't. And then the other one to Goddard, you know, I, he was getting hit as he threw, which uh, caused him to maybe put more on it than – I guess he pro- probably tried to put more on it because he knew he was going to get hit, and he wound up overthrowing mm-hmm. him a little bit. Um, so that one's not as qu- – that, that one's not quite as bad as the Devontae one. But there are two plays that he's got to make, and he didn't make them. And we saw the final score was what twenty was twenty seven twenty four. I know they lost by three, mm-hmm. um, and you know that's a big difference in that game. And uh, I think that you know going forward, 
and we'll get to this later. <laughs> like I saw that, uh, you know, Dan Klausner tweeted something that you retweeted about Jalen Hurts um, and more about, I guess, more about the Eagles uh, offensive scheme where they were a very pass heavy team in their first six games this season. Over the last three games, they've uh, maybe more so the last two games against the Lions um, and this last game against the Chargers, they sort of became more of a, a run-oriented team, a really run-heavy team. And, um, you know, his dance theory, which I agree with, and we'll get to this again later, um, was that sort of, you know, the Eagles, have they decided already that they know that Jalen Hurts isn't the guy because he, you know, struggles running the kind of offense that ultimately they want to run. So now they're just running an offense that is more tailored to the personnel of this offense and to Jalen Hurts himself, but ultimately isn't an offense that they're going to want to run long term. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Biggest problem in this game, in my opinion, was Jonathan Gannon's defense. <laughs> like, mm. I have one like, more thing on Hurts before you Yeah, okay, on. go ahead. My last thing is like, so people say, like, the to defend Jalen Hurts would be to say, like, he's young, you know, he's he's still a rookie, which I, I hate. He's not. He's literally just not a rookie. Um, but whatever, you know, he only has so many starts. But, like, I think part of the thing with that, what I think about Jimmy, is, like, I don't think you can just look at that play to Devontae Smith uh, where he misses it and say he misses that play because he's young and inexperienced. Like, that's not the case to me. He misses that play because he doesn't have the arm strength. Like, how is arm, how is his arm strength magically going to get better? Like, I don't think that's something that really improves, like, drastically. Maybe a, a little bit. I don't know. But that's kind of, the, just like, something I've been thinking about is that it's not just, like, his mistakes are because, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's in part because I just think like he doesn't have the tools, like, you know, like the, the tools are limited here when it comes to as a passer, at least as mm -hmm. a runner. And a lot of people like to kind of compare him uh, to Jamar, uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously just, you know, not saying they're the same players, but kind of like similar. And I mean, if you want to compare this guy to Lamar, like Lamar was competing or like was like the MVP favorite at this point in his career where Jalen Hurts is, you know, in his whatever mm -hmm. 13th start or whatever it is right now. So like, I don't know. It's just like, it's not the best comp to me. And uh, I just think youth and experience, like that's just too much of a crutch to say all of his struggles can be blamed on that. But anyway, uh, moving on to the defense, like you said. Yeah. So like, I think we all like what Jalen Hurts brings to the table, both in terms of the intangibles and what he can do with his feet, but it's ultimately not going to be enough for what this team wants to be offensively. Anyway, uh, Jonathan Gannon's defense, we now have the fifth quarterback this season that has thrown for uh, 80% completion percentage or better, which is just wild. Uh, the, I think Ruben Frank had a stat out about that after the fourth quarterback uh, who did that, which was Derek Carr, I believe, uh, week eight. And then Tim McManus had uh, a, a, a similar stat uh, after their loss to the Chargers in which I forget exactly how many years they went it's, in the beginning of the franchise. 70 years. It was okay. the Eagles allowed six quarterbacks in 70 years combined <laughs> to go over 80% completion. The Eagles have done it five times this season. In nine they've games, more than half of their games already so far. Fifty-five percent of their games, they've that's insane percent completion percentage, which is absolutely insane. The most egregious game I thought was the Derek Carr one, where he was thirty-one of oh, thirty-four. Yeah. It's like ninety-one percent, uh, but it's a it's been a common theme. I think that Gannon's defense actually was more aggressive in this game than they've been in past games. Like they played a fair amount of single high safety. They weren't just you know camping two safeties you know, a mile off the line of scrimmage. They didn't do that in this game uh, as much as they have anyway. Uh, they blitzed more in this past game than they have in any other game this year. But to me, they look like a team that 
doesn't know how to play aggressively because they haven't done it all year. Like their blitzes sucked. They got no pressure whatsoever. They got one, one hit on the quarterback, no sacks, one hit on the quarterback. And it wound up being a roughing the passer call on Steven Nelson. So the one time they hit him, they hit him illegally. And then, you know, the defensive line has just been horrible this season, particularly for the amount of resources that they've dumped into that unit, both financially and in terms of draft pick allocation. So, I mean, just, their, their defensive line is, 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 in my opinion, the biggest culprit for this last loss because they produced zero sacks, zero quarterback hits. They're okay against the run. Okay, fine, whatever, who cares? But, like, if you're not going to get any pressure on the opposing quarterback at all, especially in this game where, like, Justin Herbert just basically had all day, and it wasn't like he was just getting the ball out quickly like some other quarterbacks that we've seen in, in you know, recent games and recent years. Like Tom Brady gets it out quickly. Derek Carr typically gets gets it out pretty quickly. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Like, he was dropping back, uh, taking normal drops. I have drops. to push back on that. Okay. I have to push back on that because he did actually have the quickest time to throw from week nine per PFF. It was did at he? Two point, yeah, it was 2.35 seconds. I looked that up. That is up. surprising me because he did, like, have, like, there were plenty of, like, decent, like, size drops. I mean, I guess he threw 38 passes. So some of those maybe came out like super quickly and skewed that maybe because there yeah, were plenty of there were plenty of passes where like he dropped back and the defensive line like had a legit opportunity to to get pressure on him and they just didn't. Well, here's what I'll say about that too. So I like kind of looked up who was second and third in that time to throw, mm-hmm. and it was Colt McCoy. You know, who's starting in uh, place sure. of an injured Kyler Murray and um uh why can't I remember the other one? It was Colt McCoy and another guy. But um anyway, those two quarterbacks. Um oh Mac Jones, sorry um. They were at like 2.36, so like 0.01 second behind Justin yeah. Herbert, basically the same amount of time. And I looked at like, okay, how did they get pressured? Like, and Mac Jones and Colt McCoy both got sacked twice, and okay. Colt McCoy got hit like five times too. So like to say that like, oh, he's just getting rid of the ball quickly, and that totally absolves the defensive line. I don't agree with that, like, especially when they're spending all these resources, like you mentioned. And actually, a uh, good point here by Sam Lynch, who pointed out on Twitter uh, through Over the Cap that uh, the Eagles have invested the seventh most most cash, so not just cap space or dead money, um, like, comb- you know, like all accounting for everything, you know, because mm-hmm. the Eagles have kind of, you know, played with how Orsman's obviously played with the cap. Um, seventh most cash in the NFL in this defense, and they stink. I get, yeah, and that makes sense because like they they tend to uh, sign uh, or trade for free more free agents on the defensive side of the ball, whereas they use their draft resources, well, uh, particularly early in the draft anyway, on the offensive side of the ball. Go ahead, what were you going to say? Well, well, let's, I think our good friend uh, Les Bowen had a really good point on this uh, after the game on Sunday. I saw where he pointed out, you know, like look at the last, you know, so many uh, like picks. Um, that the Eagles have spent. I'm looking for the tweet here. I can't find it. Um, fill, fill this to me. Say something in the meantime. <laughs> well, I mean, if you just look at like the Eagles, and I'll pull this up. The, their draft history, their Eagles, uh, their their picks in like the first uh, yes two rounds over the last. This is what he was like, referring to. Four or five yeah. years. We got like I'll just pull them okay. up right here. So I found it. All right, go ahead. Uh, one reason the Eagles' defense is in crisis: the defensive first or second round picks in the last nine drafts are Marcus Smith, Eric Rowe, Derek Barnett, and Sidney Jones. The Eagles <laughs> haven't drafted a defender in those rounds since 2017, and a trickle down effect from the wide receiver draft doovers. Now, I kind of think it's fine to not, you know, invest all your resources in the defense. Like, I'm not going to crush them for prioritizing offense. To like in in theory, but obviously they haven't done a good job. And the way I phrased it to RJ on the NFC East mixtape uh, this week, Jimmy, I was like, "Who's the last Eagles defender 
like that you were really scared of and that was like drafted by this team especially mm-hmm. in like recent years like who's like who's someone on like the team as a rival that you're like man i hate that they got that player like that, like that player is like we have to we don't worry about him for years to come he's scary no one well i think fletcher cox fit that but just yeah, not, but like, in a, not in a super obvious way i'm saying more recently you know more recently than like nine years ago you know <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think he fits that profile. But if you, if you want to talk like last three years, then yeah, Fletcher Cox is definitely in that category there, or he's not in that category there, where you'd yeah, be scared of that player. It's but been yeah, a long time, is the point. They haven't had a stud like super obvious that guy's awesome player. No, not even close. Like again, who's the best defender they've drafted since Fletcher Cox? Like oh, since Fletcher Cox, I mean, like. <laughs> Josh Sweat, like, okay, but no one's like shaking in their boots right. at Josh Sweat. I think Josh Sweat's a nice player, but no one's like, wow, that's an elite kind of difference maker. Josh Sweat, who had zero stats in the game against the Chargers, by the way, despite going up against a Chargers offensive line that was missing their starting right guard and starting right tackle. Um, not to, That is not quite to a list Josh of, of uh, defensive players drafted in the first uh, two rounds, though. What were they mm. again? Barnett, Sidney Jones, Marcus Smith. Marcus Smith and Eric Rowe. Their offensive and Eric Rowe was... You know, chip obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, the offensive players haven't been much better. Like you got Devontae Smith, good. Landon Dickerson, we'll see. Seems to be getting better. Uh, twenty twenty, Rager and Hertz. Uh, twenty nineteen, mm. Dillard, Sanders, Jaw. Oof, that's bad. Twenty eighteen, Goddard's a good player. Twenty seventeen, there were two defenders, Barnett and Jones. Twenty sixteen, Wentz is gone. Twenty fifteen, Aguilar gone. Uh, mm-hmm. 2014, Jordan Matthews, uh, and, and on and on. It was actually mm-hmm. Zach Ertz, 2013, but whatever. Like, like it is, they've been horrible drafting in the first two rounds over the last, like, eight years. And that doesn't get offset by, like, oh, we got Quez Watkins in the sixth round or Jordan Mylotta. <laughs> Jordan, yeah, like, yeah. like, that doesn't make up for those misses. Like, you have to, like, those are things that you hit on if you're like a really good team and that like further helps you ascend to being a really good contender, like you can't like the building blocks are in the first two rounds. Like you have to build a foundation with that. Like look at the Cowboys. Like that's what they're doing with a lot of their picks. A lot of their picks higher up, like have worked out CD lamb and uh, Trayvon Diggs. like they're and Micah Parsons this year. Like they're getting like, you know, young talented players who yeah. are actually like hit and are really good. And those are like the core of their team. Um, obviously the Zeke pick was not the best use of resources, but you know, like they, they found, you know, like building blocks and it was just like, haven't in that same way, or at least in a long time, you know, the guys you talk about are like, you know, a long time ago, Zach Ertz, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, like that's, that's eight, nine years ago now, man. Like you can't just be relying on that. Like you have to <laughs> replenish and this team hasn't been able to do that. Uh, so I agree getting back to the over uh, arching, I think conversation there, like I think Gannon deserves blame, but you know, there's a, I think there is a lack of talent issue here as well. Yeah, I, I would say that I would put lack of talent over uh, defensive coordinator. Okay. Like, I think that, you know, ultimately Jonathan Gannon is probably going to get scapegoated after this season. If, like, the defense continues to play anywhere near the way they played over these first nine games, he's probably going to be gone. And that's, not, you know, like like we said last year, that's probably not going to be enough change. It's not going to be the change that they really need to make. But um, he's probably going to be scapegoated, and that'll be that. Meanwhile, Jonathan Gannon's fault. Meanwhile, that Titans defense isn't looking too terrible <laughs> with uh, Jim Schwartz right. joining, joining them. Interesting. Uh, All right. So we're probably depressing our listeners to death. Let's come up with some positives uh, from maybe good idea, Jimmy, this past game. But uh, just overall, do you, do you have any? Well, no, 
so we can move on. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Devontae Smith, Jimmy. Devontae Smith is awesome. I have said in multiple podcasts this week, and I'll say it again. I believe in my heart of hearts that Devontae Smith could be having a Justin Jefferson 2020-esque kind of season if he had a quarterback who could get the ball to him mm-hmm. more reg- regularly. I think he's been – I almost said regularly. Consistently. No, definitely not. Um, I think – yeah, I, I just think he's been really good. And it hasn't always showed, obviously, in the box uh, score because – or the stat sheet, I should say, because um, like – the quarterback isn't throwing his way. He's getting open. Like you're seeing it. He's a he's a crazy good route runner. He gets open. The amount of separation he gets sometimes is wild. And uh, I I just think he's awesome. He's a really good player. He I think he should. He's not getting used enough. I've been saying that all season long. Going to continue beating that drum. He only had six targets, which is fine. And he would have caught all of them if you know Hertz didn't miss him in the end zone. Um, he actually led all receivers in receiving yards in week nine. Oh, he was he PFF's top graded wide receiver overall. Take that for what it's worth. So yeah, I think Devante is really good and I just wish like they could use him more and <laughs> he could be, you know, featured more often. Like, like give him 10 targets a game. Why not? Like force, I don't even, I don't even care. Like, like, like don't overthink this. Don't like, you know, we have to run this play. We have to get everyone. No, just like, like feed him. Just like, yeah. like go on a drive where you just like throw the ball his way like six times. Like, like no one until they can stop it. Like, I, I think they're honestly not using him enough. Five targets, or excuse me, five catches, 116 yards, uh, touchdown, 23 uh, plus yards per catch. And he had six targets. The one target that was missed was he was wide open in the back of the end zone and should have been another touchdown. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. Like, um, it's working when you go his way, go his way more. And Dan Orlovsky actually uh, highlighted one of his routes uh, during that game where he was lined up slot right, I believe. And uh, it was like a it was like a, a deep dig. And um, he just looked super smooth, give a little little uh, move to the outside and then came back across the field. It not only shook the corner he was covering, but also the the safety, uh, you know, sort of uh, responsible for, uh, you know, the area of the field where Smith ultimately ran his route. So, I mean, yeah, he's he knows what he's doing. I mean, we talked about this after they drafted him and all throughout the offseason. Like, this is a guy that just knows how to play. And uh, I agree they should use him more. The, the other positives that I'll point out is that, like, I think some of the other younger players are at least starting to get better. Um, they're not where we, you know, the Eagles need them to be quite yet, but, um, I think we've seen progress from Dickerson who was a little shaky the first couple games that he played, which, you know, you can't understand because he was coming off, uh, the ACL tear maybe came back before he was 100%, but uh, I think he's played better the last few weeks. Uh, got Dallas Goddard is just a totally legit number one tight end in this, in this league. Like he had, you know, over 70 yards in the first two games after they traded Ertz, he should have had, you know, close to, you know, he should have had over 70 again in this last game. If, you know, uh, Hertz would have hit him on that, on that deep play down the field. And then, um, uh, a player that I'm sort of interested in watching the rest of the way is Davion Taylor, who in my opinion was just totally on unpla- I like reviewed his snaps from the 2020 season and it was ugly. I mean, like he was really, really bad as a rookie last year and didn't play a lot, but the, the snaps that he did play, like I thought he was an unplayable player. And this year it's, you know, like to say that he's playable, you know, isn't maybe the, uh, the, the most complimentary way to put it, but he's playable. Like you can put him on the field and he's not just going to completely wreck your defense. Uh, so just that he's playable, he can get a lot of snaps 
and then, uh, you know, maybe make the most of those and improve uh, as a player in 2021. I think that's a positive sign going forward. I think he's got a lot of work to do, but there are certain, certainly some flashes that he shows. Like there's one play where uh, he, Keenan Allen ran into his zone and he covered that up and uh, Herbert wanted to go there, didn't go there, checked it down instead. And then Taylor like made a beeline to the check down and uh, hammered that guy for, for a tackle for loss. So there's little there's little moments like that where you know you like to see out of these out of these young players and and he's at least provided uh, a few of those. So um, if there's one positive that I think you can take away from these first nine games is that at least some of the players that you want to see play well are starting to. I agree with that Davion Taylor play. I mean, like when was the last time an Eagles linebacker like made a play mm-hmm. like that? Like it's not it's not like a regular occurrence. So I, a flash like that is nice to see. Obviously, you have to keep building on it. I would add TJ Edwards in here while we're talking mm-hmm. about linebackers. I mean, I think he's been like he's established himself now as the line like the top linebacker these past two weeks. That's something they've been they haven't had this season. They've been trying to like rotate guys and figure it out. But I think like it's very clear that, and I don't know if TJ Edwards is really, you know, a long-term starter that you're paying a contract extension to, because right. I think we all know he has his limitations. But that being said, like, I'm not going to roll it out because I think he's playing well, uh, at least, at least these past two weeks. And I think he's their best linebacker. Like, obviously he's, he's their best option, even if he might be the best of not an amazing bunch. Um, so I think that's another positive. Um, that's a good thing that they have going for them. Um, Someone yeah. in my chat put it as the uh, the valedictorian of summer school, TJ Edwards. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, anything else, Jimmy? Any other positives? Nah, I think we can uh, take a break here. I think those are. Uh, I don't want to give them too much of a pat on the back. Yeah, yeah, they're three and six. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get to our next segment, Jimmy, why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach of RoachRealtors dot com? She is the best realtor in all the land, and if you're looking to buy or sell your house, you can reach her, text or call, 856-906-9295, again, 856-906-9295, or go to roachrealtors.com. Brandon? Roachrealtors.com, back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, we have some news to get to. Yeah, we usually do the news first, but there wasn't really meaty news uh, this week. Um, Jordan Howard elevated to the 53. But mm. I think um, what's more Promoted interesting... full time, yeah. Yeah, what I think what's more interesting uh, about the running back situation is what is Miles Sanders' role going... Actually, before mm. we even get to Miles Sanders... I thought it's weird that like, you know, Miles Sanders goes down and, you know, everyone and their mother assumed that Kenny Gainwell would be the starting running back going forward. But no, he's now the three. Like he was the two when Sanders was around. Sanders goes down and he not only doesn't get elevated to number one, but he's now he's the third running back behind Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, which is weird. Like, I think that like 
fans have kind of looked at the Eagles' success in the run game, and they're just happy that they're running it at all. But at some point, it's going to be like, well, why isn't that Kenny Gainwell on there instead of you know guys that aren't part of the long-term future of the team? So that's down the road, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just thought I'd mention that quickly. But the other thing now is after this game against the Broncos coming up, uh, Sanders will be eligible to come off of injured reserve. You have to be on injured reserve for about for uh, at least three weeks if you go on injured reserve. So when he comes back, is is he going to be the clear RB one when he when he's back? Because I think they've actually been more effective with Howard, who does nothing but just run straight ahead and hit holes that are there, and there's no dancing or anything like that. Sanders clearly a much more talented player and back, but. Are they going to insert him right back in the starting lineup? What do you think? It's a really good question. Uh, on on the Gainwell thing too, it's not like they phased him out literally entirely because like he had a big he had two carries for that one touchdown and the red like <laughs> right. where's that like like it's so and in weird. The passing it's game just, too, yeah. It's like it's so strange. Um, I guess make, maybe my thought on that with him is like they don't want to like like shoot his confidence entirely and think like he's just like you know in the doghouse and he's never gonna play again like so hey let's like get him a key touch mm-hmm. so he still feels like he's involved maybe that's it i don't know i just thought that was weird uh, on sanders i definitely think like there is something to this offense needing the kind of running backs that like boston scott and jordan howard are right now where they're gonna get positive yards they might not get the like the home run you know mm-hmm. uh ability or they might not have the home run ability that miles sanders has um, but like, I think being able to consistently get yards and keep the offense on schedule and not getting yes. into like a third and long, or then your quarterback who isn't necessarily amazing at throwing the ball has to, you know, be like, have a lot of pressure put on him, uh, as opposed to you can get some of these third and shorts and then hurts his mobility he can come in really handy on third down where, you know, he's not, he doesn't have to run on third and 10. He can run on third and four and easily pick up a first. So, uh, it's really weird. Um, they probably should have traded Miles Sanders. Obviously, they weren't going to do that. Uh, but it's a weird spot now because I don't think he's like, I, I don't think Jordan Howard gets phased out entirely. Um, I think, I guess it would be more so between Howard and Sanders. I'm guessing. I think Boston Scott's going to suffer. His playing time is going to suffer. Probably. Here. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even have an offensive touch until Miles, Miles Sanders like went down, I believe. So, um, yeah, I think it's Boston Scott who's going to take the back seat, and it's almost going to be like we're back in nineteen, two thousand nineteen again, and we're going to see Jordan Howard and Miles <laughs> Sanders like splitting carries. Yeah, uh, it's funny the way that Sanders' career has gone. Like after they drafted him, like they how he talked about um, how like everyone in the building was on board with that pick from you know the 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 football scout guys, the analytics nerds. The coaching staff, they're all unanimous that they loved Sanders. And I wonder if that's changed as it's sort of gone along. Obviously, it's a new coaching staff. Um, you know, there are some guys in the front office that aren't there anymore. Um, uh, and, you know, the way that he has played may have changed the opinion of the analytics nerds. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, like, what what they think of him going forward. I don't uh, – someone actually posed a, a decent question in uh, my chat this week where, like, you know, we, the, I don't think the debate is necessarily whether they sign him to a big contract, uh, you know, after, you know, heading into, you know, after his first four years in the league or whatever. It, I think he, he they, they pose the question, like, is he even going to get a lot of interest around the league? Like, can you actually bring him back at a more like a reasonable number because he, you know, doesn't get a lot of interest, you know, around from the other 31 teams. So, uh, that'll be interesting to see as well. But, um, I don't think he's going to be on this team uh, after the, after his four years are up here because 
I think he ultimately probably will be a little too expensive. And um, he hasn't proven that, you know, he's like a top 10 back. It certainly is not a top 10 back. I don't know if he's even like a top 15 borderline top 20 back. Certainly not this season anyway. Um, but he's got a lot to prove when he, when he does come back off of IR. And um, I wonder how he's going to play going forward. Like if he sort of gets that he's got to first get the yards that are there and then anything thereafter is gravy or if he's going to continue to the run the way that he has run, which was similar to the way that he ran like the first few games of his rookie season where like he really struggled uh, as a runner because he was doing a little too much dancing and uh, not enough, you know, getting all the meat on the bone. On the topic of running the ball, Jimmy, I wanted to move to this next. I know it's actually a little bit later in your show sheet, but I think it makes sense to transition to this now. And then the other thing later, um, a lot of people, I think, have been like, why did it take so long for the Eagles to run the football, Jimmy? And I have a theory on this, and it goes along with what you already kind of talked about earlier and what our good friend Dan Klausner had said. Um, I think one can theorize that early in the season, the Eagles wanted to see if their quarterback could be counted on throwing the ball a lot of times and trying to win that way, which is a way I think the Eagles generally want to win in the long term throwing the football. It's what Jeffrey Larry believes in. I mean, ultimately, I think he cares about winning. I don't disagree with that. But I think, you know, he obviously thinks there is a way to win that is more sustainable over the long term, and which is a fair thought because I think that is also borne out in terms of passing being more important uh, overall. So I think some of it was, you know, uh, like this is how the offense, like ideally want to be where we're throwing the ball. But it came to a point where the coaching staff, whatever, or Nick Sirianni was like, hey, we can't win like this. We need to do, you need to let me do what I need to do to win games, even if it might not necessarily be the offense we're operating in the long run, but it's the best thing that gives us a chance to win in the short term. And that is go very, very run heavy. And now, I'm of a couple minds on this because obviously the Eagles offense has had some success in the past two weeks. Like they haven't been terrible. Like running the ball has been more effective for them. And I think it is a good way to win with Jalen Hurts. And you look at, uh, in terms of like EPA and everything, EPA per play, Jimmy, the Eagles are actually number one in the NFL over the past two weeks Is here. That right? Hmm. Yeah. So like, oh, Detroit you know, was one of those games, of course. <laughs> I know. And that's something that needs to be said. And also, obviously, the Chargers have the league's worst run defense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so that is something to consider as well. But like, Here's my problem with thinking this is a sustainable offense. Uh, I saw this really good stat come up uh, after the Eagles' loss on Sunday, and it was just very illuminating to me, and I want to get your thoughts on it here. Uh, since the start of the 2015 season, Jimmy, there have been just three games where a team ran on over 67% of plays despite losing the game. And that despite losing the game thing in there is obviously because like, you know, obviously your pass run pass ratio is going to get thrown out of whack when like, you know, you're blown you get out to a big yeah. lead and you're just, yeah, trying to salt the clock away. Um, so these are the three games since the start of the 2015 season. Number one, the Colts versus the Bills in 2017, where there was like this blizzard, and neither team could throw the ball. Because it's just like okay. a blizzard and no one could see anything. So that's yeah. the first game. Second game, the Broncos last year against the Saints, where Kendall Hinton, a wide receiver, <laughs> right. famously started at quarterback. <laughs> right. And attempted like nine passes or something. I think he completed one of them. 
And then the Eagles on Sunday against the Chargers. Like, this is not a sustainable thing in the long term. Like, you're not <laughs> going to be able to run the ball this much. I mean, just think yeah. about it from like this way. Like, Jalen Hurts against the Chargers, 17 pass attempts. Jalen Hurts against the Lions, 14 pass attempts. Like, that's just not a regular thing that's going to work out where your quarterback is being counted on to throw that little. Like, it's working right now, but it's just not going to work in like the long term. I just, I, it, right? Yeah. So I think like the takeaway here is that like, once they got to the point where they realized that you know Jalen Hurts, you know, just wasn't running the type of offense that they want to run effectively, that they just kind of said, "All right, well, we're going to probably move on from Hurts this off season, whether they bring in uh, some veteran via trade or they draft someone in in you know the first round with one of their picks or whatever." Um, and they just at that point they said, "Okay, well, if we know that he can't run the offense that we're going to run, all right, Nick, go ahead and run the the obvious." offense that you know everyone said they should run prior to the season beginning which is a run heavy look similar to what the Ravens do uh down in Baltimore with you know and and the Eagles personnel like it it is tailored to be able to run the ball a lot because their offensive line is a very good run blocking offensive line uh their receivers are all super young and you know they only really have in my opinion like one legit starter in Devontae Smith and they're running, you know, they're, they're, they have a running quarterback. They have a talented running back in Miles Sanders. Uh, they drafted a, a running back in the fifth round that, you know, they wanted to use right away. So, like, they are more set up to run by far. Like, it's, like, I think it's a way, it's an offense that's way more set up to run than it is to pass. And I, I think it maybe got to the point in the season where, um, they said, okay, well, uh, he can't run the offense that we run that we run want to run. Okay, we're going to replace him next off season. Do whatever you want to do, Nick. And I think that's maybe what we're saying now. The test, the litmus test on that is, as you noted, they played the Lions week nine. They blew them out, so they're going to run the ball a lot anyway. But it's also a bad run defense. And then the Chargers, as excuse me, week eight, and then the Chargers week nine have the worst run defense in the NFL. So of course they run a lot, run a lot against that kind of defense. The litmus test will be this week against the Broncos, who average. I think 98 uh, rushing yards allowed per game uh, defensively, which I think is either sixth or seventh uh, in the NFL, but they're a lot better run defense than these last two opponents. So if they go super run heavy again uh, against this Broncos team, then I think that that theory maybe has a little more bite to it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it, there is some logic to the thinking that, um, that that's kind of like what happened. It's a little tinfoil hat, but it's uh, it's uh, I think there is definitely know. some logic to it. I mean, I I think it makes sense. Like, hey, uh, the quarterback again has not been able to demonstrate that he can carry the offense or even in a regular way uh, with his arm. Like, he's just not. That's just not their most efficient option for them. And I think mm -hmm. that's like. Again, I hate to crush Jalen Hurts here because I really think there are a lot of things about Jalen Hurts. He's a rootable player. Again, accountable, um, leadership. Uh, he's fun to watch when, like, you know, you're watching him on those last two Smart. drives and he's, you make, yes, like, I, I, there are a lot of good things about Jalen Hurts and I get why people like him and I get, again, why people want to root for him because honestly, it's the most convenient thing for the Eagles if he's just the franchise quarterback. But I think people let that want kind of get into what actually or cross over into what, you know, or it's kind of, you know, murky, uh, muddying the picture and kind of, you know, not necessarily having the most realistic assessment assessment of him because they want him to be good. I want him to be good, but I just, I'm not seeing that. And I think you can't look at how this shift has made and say, it's not an indictment of Jalen Hurts as a passing ability. Like that's a, and that's a big issue. <laughs> I just, 
I think that's a really big issue. Yeah, uh, I mean, if they were I, if he were lighting it up over the first seven weeks, then you know, running the ball as much as they did this past game, even against the Chargers defense that is the worst run defense in the NFL, it would be illogical <laughs> to like to run to have like such a skewed run pass ratio. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm with you there. It's a short-term formula for me. It's not a long-term formula. Um, anything else, Jimmy? Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. on so, the yeah. No, go ahead. Well, on the that, potential uh, idea of Jalen Hurts not being the quarterback mm-hmm. back next year, uh, really interesting to find out that Howie Roseman, according to the uh, Pittsburgh Post Gazette, is one of five general managers traveling out to Pittsburgh uh, tonight on Thursday. November 11th, as we record this, to watch Pitt versus North Carolina play, which is a notable thing because there are two big quarterback prospects in this game. Yeah, Kenny Pickett for uh, Pitt. Uh, A lot of people think he might be a first-round pick. And then Sam Howell for uh, North Carolina, who was at one time thought of as maybe the best quarterback prospect in this draft, has sort of fallen off out of that discussion uh more recently maybe more of like a two three something like that i don't know we'll see but um it's a short trip for howie to get from philly to pittsburgh of course um it's a little short little jaunt on a plane uh but it's noteworthy (laughs) that he's gonna be out there and uh like then there are a lot of people gonna be out there so there are 38 nfl scouts slash executives uh according to who was it that reported that pittsburgh what was the pittsburgh post gazette Okay, uh, 38 NFL scouts executives that are that are scheduled to be in attendance, and it makes sense for them to do that on a Thursday. It's a midweek game, um, mm-hmm. but he's one of five GMs that he's out there. And you know, if like you had a definite, like he's definitely our quarterback moving forward, then I don't think that Howie Roseman will waste his time uh, going out and watching that game. Yeah, Jeff McLean had pointed out like how he doesn't do this anymore. Like he doesn't really go to a lot mm-hmm. of these games and like in person and attend that because he doesn't have to. You know, he's a big staff. Why does he have to go? You know, take the time to do that. And right. I know it's in state still. It's not like the biggest. It's not like, like flying across the country, mm-hmm. but still, I, I think it's pretty noteworthy. And also, um, it's not like this is a secret because uh, you know, these things get known. They get found out about. It's not like you know these executives are going to attend the game in secret. So the fact that. You know, it would even be out there, I think, suggests that, like, you know, like, if, if they had full confidence in Jalen Hurts, so they really want this to, like, get out there and how we really want to go, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think you have that happen. Um, it doesn't mean that they're definitely going to draft one of these guys. And it's also doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're not looking at any other players in that game. But like, I mean, let's be real. Like, you know, there's absolutely a reason why they're going to watch these quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, we'll have a lot of, discussions i'm sure jimmy in the offseason because i see a lot already emerging about like mm-hmm. oh they shouldn't draft a quarterback they should just you know use these picks on the defense and and don't even trade for russell wilson which again i think is crazy um but uh but yeah we can have those at a later date i guess because there's a lot of offseason there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of rest of this season a lot of offseason to talk about all of that all right let's uh take a break and then we'll come back with uh little eagles broncos preview and we'll make our picks well before Brandon. we go to break jimmy I will tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. I say it every single week, and you're like, Brandon, why are you telling me about this every single week? We get it. You like Righteous Felon. Yes, I do. But I want you to as well because I think it is a good product that I believe in, and I think you will legitimately enjoy. And everyone, honestly, who I've heard has had it has really enjoyed it, and so have I. So why not 
Give it a try. You're getting it at a discount by using discount code BGN15 at RighteousFelon.com. You're helping to support a local business. You're helping to support your favorite Eagles podcast, which is free, you know, by the way. Um, we don't charge anything for people to listen. If you want to help support, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so it's a win for everyone involved. RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot more of Righteous Found, by the way, like in stores recently too. Uh, so if you see them in a local store, feel free to buy them there too. But more so, buy them with the well, BGN promo code. BGN. Well, you could give it a try, <laughs> see if you like it, and then right. there might be some flavors that aren't carried there at that store. They're like, oh, right. I want to try that out. Or the Biltong might not be at the store. Maybe they just have the jerky. Um, so yeah, give it a try, and then maybe get some more. Back after this. <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. 9-5. 9-5. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, for our Eagles-Broncos preview and our NFL picks against the spread. I guess you want to get into the matchups first? Yeah, let's do those real quick. I don't think we'd spend a lot of time on that. Um, Based on my page views on my five matchups to watch, uh, as the Eagles season gets worse and worse, the page views on those tend to go further down and down. <laughs> like mm. it's, the readers are seem to be less interested in uh, the upcoming matchup. Uh, but I think the biggest one here in this game is, um, you know, can, can they keep the completion percentage down? Like Teddy Bridgewater is averaging actually set more than better than 70% uh, completion percentage this year, which, um, you know, he's not anything like these other five quarterbacks that have done that to the Eagles this year. Of course, just to recap, it was Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Tom Brady, and Justin Herbert. Like he's not on the level of any one of those five guys, but. He does complete a lot of passes and he also holds on to the ball for a long time. So like average uh, snap to throw, I think was 2.92 seconds on average, which is like sixth or seventh uh, longest uh, in the NFL, somewhere in somewhere in that range. So I think part of the uh, formula for him completing a lot of these passes is that he waits a long time to throw and that gives his receivers more chance to get open and whatever. So this game, in my opinion, is pretty much on the Eagles defensive line. And if they can't get to the quarterback in this game, then there are major, I mean, we already think there are pretty major problems with their defensive line playing new or not playing up to the expectations that we reasonably have for them, given the resources financially draft otherwise that have gone into that unit. But you have this Broncos offensive line that could be missing, um, Garrett Bowles, who is really their only, you know, above average starter uh, on their line. He's their left tackle. Their right guard uh, is out. I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, Graham Glasgow. Graham Glasgow. Thank you. So he's out. And uh, Quinn Miners, the uh, senior bowl uh, darling who like had his belly out and all that stuff, uh, has a crazy like highlight reel tape from college like he played at uh i think it was wisconsin whitewater uh so like a d3 school or d2 whatever but he was just killing guys uh he's going to fill in at right guard 
he has not played well in his limited action so far this year. And then uh, if Bowles can't play, the right tackle will move over to left tackle. And I forget the right tackle who filled in there. But anyway, they have injury. They already have a bad line, but they have now a bunch of injuries on top of that. And if this Eagles defensive line can't get to the quarterback, can't get to, to Teddy Bridgewater, who does hang on to the ball for a long time, then I think this loss, if they have, if they lose, is probably likely to be on them. Uh, they have to dominate in this game. And they have had like good games, like, you know, certainly against the Lions. They played really well. Again, that's the Lions. They had six sacks against them. I thought they played really well, obviously, week one against the Falcons. They got to have a game like that against this Broncos offensive line, or uh, I don't really give them much of a chance of winning this game, even against the Broncos team. They're just, I guess, it's just not that good. Like, and they realize that they're not good, or else they wouldn't have traded Von Miller. So, like, they, they are very, like, um, reasonable about their Super Bowl chances, playoff chances, etc. Uh, and they were willing to trade Von Miller. Uh, but yeah, th- this is a team that, that is not very good. But if the Eagles can't get to the quarterback, then I don't think you're going to win. Uh, the Broncos roster was a little bit better than I realized, I guess, when I was looking through like the injury report and you know, who's banged up and who they have. Now, Patrick mm-hmm. Sertan also might not play this week. That's a little unclear. Um, he got banged up, has a knee injury. Um, but they have some guys on this team, like a Cortland Sutton, like a Jerry yeah. Judy. Tim Patrick is kind of underrated at receiver. Also on the injury report, we'll see, you know, how he does. Um, so I was like, uh, oh, and also, um, you know, uh, you know, they've had, you know, Melvin Gordon has been injured at running back, but, um, his replacement here, whose name is escaping me, uh, was it Javante? Uh, Javante Williams. Williams. Yeah, yeah. Like he was kind of, he's been good. He runs really hard. Um, so I don't know. Like they have, they have a little bit more than I expected. I've never really been a Teddy Bridgewater guy and mm-hmm. like, I just don't see it as a guy who like, I think he'd be a bridge quarterback, which is funny because that's in his name, but like, he's just not, you know, a guy like you're building around and giving a long-term contract to, um, third team in three years. So that, that tells you what the league right. thinks about him too. Well, was it fourth team? Because he got traded. Well, I guess that was a while ago. Because he got traded. Remember, the Jets signed him, and then they traded him to the Saints. And then, but I guess oh, that that's was right. Th- that was like, and he was with the Vikings before that too, obviously. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So he's been on, he's been around the league, and actually plays a huge role in the Eagles winning a Super Bowl with him getting hurt, and obviously the same Bradford <laughs> trade of it all. Right. And uh, I wrote an article about that uh, once upon a time. Kind of funny. It's actually his first start to me. I never. I, I that didn't click to me until yesterday i was like oh this is teddy bridgewater's first ever start against the eagles okay um so uh yeah I, i'm not like i don't know where i am with on this broncos team i kind of like i've been flipping back and forth like because the win over the cowboys is really good i don't really think that's who they are like mm-hmm. as a whole like that's not i think this was their best game like this this is the broncos playing their very best game and i also think it was part of the cowboys playing like their very worst game so yes. sometimes that happens. I don't necessarily think that's going to be a trend moving forward for either team. Like that's going to keep carrying over. I just think it was one week where, you know, some, the, the Broncos were just the better team that day. Um, and also the Broncos just own the Cowboys for some reason, haven't lost to them since 1995 or they, they're on a winning streak since 1995. Um, yeah. So I don't know. This Denver team, I've kind of gone back and forth on the Eagles winning this or losing this, but, um, yeah. We'll get that. So let's get the, let's get to the picks. Uh, start with the Ravens, Dolphins, which is Thursday night, by the way. It'll well, give, uh, hold on, hold on, okay. hold on, hold on. Got to get these records that no one cares about. Uh, okay. Eighteen and twenty-eight, you are now against the spread. Where I am twenty-four and twenty-two. I think we both went one and four last week. Not great. Is that right? Because um, I had a good week. Other in my like weekly picks. 
I mean, huh. you can check the tape, Jimmy. Right. Um, and then we're both six and three now uh, for our Eagles straight up pick. All right, now let's get into the Thursday night football. Yeah, Eagles fans have a reason to watch this, of course, because it's the Dolphins uh, at home hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are minus seven and a half. Who you got? Mm-hmm. I'll take the Ravens, who are just a better team. And the thing about the Ravens, and this kind of applies to the Steelers too, uh, AFC North uh, synergy here, is that like they just find a way to get it done. I feel like at the end of the day, it's a very like cliche, simple thing to say, but I think it's true. I just like I trust them. I have trust in them, and the Dolphins stink. Um, Just because they beat the Texans, who stink worse than them doesn't mean anything to me and it seems like Jacoby Brissett might be playing tonight or an injured Tua so I don't know why you would feel good about the Dolphins yeah Tua has a broken middle finger on his throwing hand so even if he can play he's uh how well is he going to be able to grip the football um so it'll be either either an injured Tua or a I mean Jacoby Brissett like when the season began I remember like looking at who their backup was. I was like, oh, okay, well, he's a decent enough backup if Tua goes down or stinks or whatever. No, he's been terrible this year. <laughs> like against the, uh, he started against the Texans last week. Uh, Dobbins got their first win after uh, a seven game losing streak. He threw two picks. Um, I think he attempted 30 something passes at like, you know, 200 yards, something like that. So his uh, yards per attempt were, were pretty low. Uh, they only scored 17 points against a terrible Texans team. So, despite you know, this Tyrod throwing three picks, 17 points, and the other quarterback threw three picks. Okay. So, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I look at this Ravens team, they're going to score on just about anyone, and they'll be able to score on this Dolphins defense. And this Dolphins offense, Mike Jasicki aside, they got nothing. <laughs> I mean, this, that, that offense is nothing. So, uh, yeah, give me the Ravens, and, and I'll leave the seven and a half. Okay, both on the Ravens. That brings us to the Jags at the Colts. The Colts are 10.5-point favorites. Jags with a big win, so shockingly, <laughs> over the Bills. Josh Allen dominating Josh Allen. Uh, that being said, uh, Carson Wentz will not miss this game, apparently, despite the, the birth of his second child uh, potentially happening on that day. So good news for Eagles' uh, first-round pick. Uh, you know, uh, con- what, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, conveying. Uh who do you have in this one, Jimmy? So I have the uh, the Colts winning this game, obviously. The Jaguars, like their win over the Bills was, I mean, they were like, what, 15-point underdogs in that game? They won 9-6. to six. <laughs> Like I didn't see a second of that game, and I, I don't think I will ever will. Uh, <laughs> but that must have been just a horrible, boring game to watch. Uh, Jaguars are a really bad team. I don't know how they beat the Bills uh, in that game, but they're going to lose this week uh, to the Colts. It's wild to me that somebody would miss the birth of a of a of a kid for to play in a football game. That's just crazy to me, but it does benefit Eagles fans. So, you know, they should be appreciative of that for with Carson Wentz if he does indeed play despite the birth of his kid. Um what's funny about the Colts to me is like Jonathan Taylor is like an MVP candidate to me yeah. like this year. Uh, he like, he'll run for like a million yards and, uh, people will be like, Carson Wentz is back, baby. Yeah. 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 Uh, but he is awesome. Like he's run for like 650 yards or something like that, uh, over his last six weeks, uh, eight touchdowns. He's also making plays as a receiver out of the backfield. 
uh, just an awesome, awesome player. And their offensive line is starting to get back into shape here. So uh, I like the Colts and, and their run game. And their defense is playing well, uh, a little better more recently, too, uh, to easily take care of this Jaguars. I, I actually will take the 10.5 points, though. Um, I think they'll at least keep it within, okay. you know, double digits or whatever. But uh, I think the Colts are a much better team. Okay. Um, I think it is funny that Carson Wentz, whenever it's like a big game by him or whatever, like his biggest wins this year have been like against terrible teams, like the Texans, uh, the Jets last week. Like, okay, he's doing good, but um, he's beating really, really terrible, awful teams, some of the worst in the league. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, totally agree with Derrick Henry out. I think you could make the case with or that he's the best running back in the NFL. Obviously, Nick Chubb is up there too, but still like very much in that conversation, and that's a big help for the Colts. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll actually take them. I just, again, I am never I'm never going to bet on Urban Meyer. I don't care. I'm just not going to do it. That's just my rule. Uh, I know the Jags played well, but that could be like a uh, – it could be a letdown after this. Like that was, you know, their big game. Like they got up for the Bills, and they beat them, and now uh, it might just be meaningless the next week where the Colts just kind of house them. Um, and I, and I think that's good kind of for the Eagles because I know, I, I don't think Carson Wentz is getting benched. Obviously at this point, we've talked about that, but if they get, if the Colts get to five and five, which they will, if they beat the Jags, then I think that locks it in. I think it's like, it locks it in. The Eagles are definitely going to get that pick barring Carson Wentz, you know, getting hurt, knock on wood. Um, so whatever the win, like, so I think it's okay to root for the Colts to win this week, but then every week after this, obviously like kind of hope they lose. Um, so I'm taking the Colts to cover in a big win. The Atlanta Falcons are at the Dallas Football Cowboys, and the Cowboys are nine and a half point favorites despite Dak Prescott coming off of arguably the worst game in his career. Yeah, I mean, he said that his calf wasn't bothering him at all. Um, again, I didn't see that game, so I can't like look at his body language, but he had his worst game, and you'd have to think that something was bothering him. And like you look at his injury history. You spent all offseason recovering from that gruesome leg injury. You missed almost all of training camp with the shoulder injury. You missed a game because of the calf injury. Uh, almost missed a, a – I mean, he would have missed two games if they didn't have their bye. So you look at this Cowboys team, and, like, they have a history each year of, like, having these, like, losing streaks. And they haven't been a team that, like, loses, a, you know, a, a tough game and then comes back and, bam, like, they're right back in the win column. Like, they, they seem to let losses – fester and uh pile up but i think they have the benefit of facing uh, a very bad uh by the way the, this falcons team if the season ended today they'd be the seven seed I know, they'd be in the crazy. playoffs right now which is wild to me like Terrible. The, this team that the, the, and you look at the, like the quarterbacks that they've played so far this year hold on yep. let me just let me just pull this up real quick because i think it's such a bad list of names that like it's it's worth stating uh as i look it up i know that week 1 obviously was Jalen Hurts uh mm-hmm. Tom Brady was in there i think that was their week 2 opponent but uh this is taking a while for them to load but uh i know who their wins were over it was their wins were over uh Daniel Jones Zach Wilson Trevor Simeon and what was the other one? Uh, oh, uh, um, Tua. Tua. Yeah, there you go. Okay, great. And then their losses are were they, so they lost to some bad quarterbacks too. I won't put Jalen Hurts in that category, but they lost Jalen Hurts. They lost to Tom Brady, uh, and they lost to Taylor Heineke, and they lost to Sam Darnold. <laughs> so like, just mm-hmm. the the number of horrible quarterbacks that they've played this year is really kind of wild. Uh, so they'll play their first good quarterback uh, since Week Two when they faced. Uh, Tom Brady. Uh, so, you know, they're not very battle tested. I do 
think that they'll keep it within nine and a half points. So I'll take the Falcons in the points, but I, I will take the Cowboys to get back uh, in the win column, which is something, again, like I said, they haven't been able to consistently do after losses over the past half decade. Yeah, I just don't think the Cowboys' loss last week was necessarily uh, predictive of what's to come. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of was a situation uh, where they probably just got a little too high in themselves and kind of overlooked the Broncos. And I think that's kind of just what happened. And I think that will be corrected this week against a Falcons team that stinks. And I will put no faith in the Falcons when I think they are not very good at all. Uh, that brings us to our... Eagles pick Jimmy because the New York football giants are on their bye this week after beating the Raiders. Um, the Eagles are standard three point underdogs in Denver. A little interesting to me that it's just a normal line. Uh, who do well, you have we do? Buccaneers sp- football team first. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Duh, my bad. Uh, whoops, I don't know how I oversaw looking over <laughs> that one. Uh, Buccaneers football team. I will take the Buccaneers. 9.5. Yeah, well, we need to get too into too uh, in depth here. I'll take the Buccaneers and I'll leave nine and a half over this terrible. I mean, there's nothing interesting to say about the football team. There, there mm-hmm. isn't. We do that. We RJ and I, you know, talk about all the NFC's teams on the NFC East mixtape here on the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed every week. And when we get to them, it's like, what do we say? There's not anything really interesting to say about them. Like, I don't know. What is there? I I don't know. Like, there's just nothing like particularly compelling. They're a bad team, but they're not even like bad in an interesting kind of way. Um, all right, they're so only interesting to, the- to talk about and in a despicable way about their right. off-field stuff. Sure. <laughs> but on the field, they're a total afterthought this this season. Yeah, they're just they're just irrelevant. Um, who do you have in the Eagles game, Jimmy? As they played the Broncos in Denver at Mile High. Yeah, like I said, I think the Eagles, um, you know, need a, a, a really good defensive line performance uh, to win this game. And uh, when I look at the players on the defensive line, you have Javon Hargrave, who came out smoking hot. He's cooled off a little bit in recent weeks. Uh, he does Derek have a sack in his last four games. Okay. Uh, Josh Sweat has had some moments here and there, but um, hasn't, you know, it, I think you can call him a mild disappointment. I don't think he's been put in the best position. Uh, to make plays uh, as often as he should have been so far this year. So, um, but, you know, still just not a lot of production out of him. And then you have guys like Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, and Ryan Kerrigan, who have been, I guess uh, I'll call it disinterested, um, dumb, and uh, invisible, respectively. Fletcher Cox, uh, uninterested, Derek Barnett, dumb, and Ryan Kerrigan, totally invisible. Um, so, I mean, I just don't see this defensive line playing anywhere near expectations, and um, I would not be willing to bet on them this week. So I will take the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, Mile High Stadium, difficult place to play. Um, give me the Broncos. I'll take uh, Eagles to cover, I guess, but uh, hmm. Broncos to win the game. 26-24 is what I'll say. Okay, interesting. Um on the Ryan Kerrigan point real quick. I mean, like, why is he on the team? Like, right? Like, he shouldn't be on the team anymore. He, he shouldn't be. There's no reason. Like, he's not doing anything. And, like, you're not – it's not like you're in win-now mode. Like, you know, it's about like, get Teron Jackson on the field more than – like, you know, like, there's there's no benefit. Of, there, what is the point of playing Ryan Kerrigan right now? Is there any kind of – I guess of, they could have waived him and maybe you hope somebody picks him up and then they take him off your, your cap. Yeah. They should. But I'm with they you. should do he's that. Th- they, but, but I'm with you. He's, he's doing absolutely. Does, what does he have? One ta- does he have one tackle or is he stuck on it's one? One tackle in okay. like 200 snaps or so this year. It's just like <laughs> it's nothing. He had a couple quarterback hits, I think. Um, but like, come on, no. Uh, 
Yeah, they should waive him and hope someone takes him on his salary, which, you know, it's not a ton, and I don't even know if anyone would, but whatever. Uh, he, there's no point. Like, he's, he's all he's doing is blocking playing time for Teron Jackson, or if you maybe wanted to get, you know, I don't know, Patrick Johnson on the field more in a different way. Like, there's just no point of playing him. Anyway, um, I kind of, again, I've gone back and forth on this game. I feel like I was leaning Eagles, and I was kind of looking at the Broncos roster a little bit, and I was thinking, like, I know Teddy isn't great, but he is a veteran quarterback who, as you pointed out, is completing a lot of his passes, and I think he has some decent weapons to work with. And given how the Eagles' defense is hard to trust right now, I think maybe he's not going to light them up, but he's going to have success against them. And I think Vic Fangio is obviously a, a respected defensive mind, and I feel like he should be able to figure out that, hey, Stop the run, like sell out to stop the run and make Jalen Hurts beat us. If Jalen Hurts beats us with his arm, then we have to tip our cap to him because, you know, like that's how he beat us. Like that's if he's going to beat us, we're going to make him doing something that he hasn't really excelled at a lot this year that is carrying the team with his arm. Um, I would think the Broncos would be able to do that, uh, but I don't know. I, I think it's possible that, as you pointed out, the Eagles have enough from their defensive line, which I know wasn't great against the Chargers, but with Teddy holding on to the ball a little bit longer, I think they'll have potentially some more time to get home. And I don't know. I just think maybe this Eagles team is a little bit better than a 3-7 and seven team, which they would be if they lose this game. So I don't feel amazing about it. I feel back and forth on it. But I'm going to take the Eagles to win. I'm going to say they win by one point, 27-26. The last second field goal by Jake Elliott in Denver. Jalen Hurts gets him into... In the field goal range with uh, not too much time remaining. And Dick Elliott hits like a, let's say like a 59 yarder, like a really, and it's a big win for the Eagles. So you have 27, 26, you said? Yes. Eagles I win. have 26, 24. So I guess I have okay. Jake missing that field goal. Okay. There you go. <laughs> if Do you think, by the way, if you play 200 snaps. Who's calling? Put him on the pod. I can't. It's... <laughs> uh, put him on. Who is it? I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> Who is it? I can't. You won't even tell me. It's my ex-wife. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry for asking. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Um, if you got to play, if you played two hundred snaps, could you make two tackles? Uh, if I played two hundred snaps, yeah. And uh... factor in like. If you get hurt yeah. and you're done for the year, too bad. It's a fail. Well, I'm going to get hurt. I mean, everyone's going to get hurt. Come on. If you're not a football player, <laughs> you just are. It's going to happen. You're going to get obliterated out there. And what would be your strategy? You can like you don't even have to you don't have to play the scheme or anything like that. What would be your strategy to get those two tackles? I mean, I think I could get maybe one before getting hurt. And that would be just like I don't know, run at the guys, just launch myself into the guy's legs, just try to like jump down into his legs and like trip him up maybe somehow. I mean, because it, it counts as a tackle if I'm getting help on it, right? Like if it's a game yeah, tackle, yeah. you're you talking about a solo yeah, tackle. You can, you can get, you can get a, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can get a, what's it called? A assist. An assist. Yeah. Well, yeah, then I could like, also just wait until someone like stands someone up and try to like run over there and also like jump on uh, the pile or something. I don't know if you get credit for those though. Well, I don't know. It could be quick, though. I don't, I don't know. This is this is fruitless activity. <laughs> I, I'm not getting two tackles. I think what I would do, you, do is I would just play. I would play on the line. Like I play up on the line, and I would just turtle at the snap. I just go into a like the fetal position at the snap, and they're gonna run right at me. Like they're gonna they run at the guy that like shouldn't be on the field. And I just get in the fetal position, and I would stick my arm out, and maybe I trip a guy once out of every <laughs> you know once once per a hundred snaps. I think that's doable, right? As long as Maybe. I didn't like get 
And I think that like the opposing offense would try not to hurt me. Right. My good friend. They want, they want me to uh, stay on the field. Right. So like if I turtle up, they're not going to like spear me and like try to get me out of the game. Like they're gonna be, they're gonna want me to be feel as long as possible. I think I could you know, stick my arm out and hit a guy's ankle once out of every hundred snaps, right? Maybe. Um, this reminds me of what my good friend Matt Daring has theorized before that like he could get a pass interference penalty in the NFL because like all you have to do is stop, like, just run, and then just like be a guy who just like stops and gets you know pass interference called on you. Um, kind of like what Jalen Rager did earlier this year. Rager's been terrible, by the way, man. Not to. But what's Matt like? Five what? Um, I don't know. Five ten. And then what's he run? What's he run like? A, I don't know. I don't think he's six, very fast. One, 40. With all due respect, Matt. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, don't I don't think, think like anyone happen. would have to like like a def- opposing defensive back wouldn't have to like face guard him. They would just you know they look at the quarterback. They wouldn't be afraid of him running away from him. I don't think he could draw a pass interference call. Do you any final so, thoughts? Jimmy? Sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I had a good burger at the wow. poor house in Westmont. Uh when was that? Uh it was Saturday last week. My I went to the aquarium with my daughter and my girlfriend and a couple of their friends and their kids. Um we went to the poor house after P O U R house that is in Westmont. Burger was freaking awesome and it's a cool bar. So what kind of burger that way? Like I had a, uh, I had the uh, the maple barbecue burger. Wow! So it had barbecue sauce, um, bacon. Uh, they put some onion. They would put some onion, um, something or other, like onion sticks, something like that. Strips, sure. like fried, some I, like crispy. Like that. Yeah, yeah, crispy onions. I had those taken off. I don't want those on my. Burger. Oh, what the so, heck? Uh, nah, I'm not an onion guy. Oh so uh, yeah, but yeah, the barbecue sauce. Uh, the bacon cheeseburger. It was awesome. It was a very good burger. Gonna have to maybe check that out. Uh, if you want to get in on the food conversation, hashtag BGN Good Eats. Not only, uh, well, I mean, yeah, we want to hear what your, you know, your good places are, uh, especially me because I love food. Uh, I have a quick one, Jimmy, and that is Mato Mio in Philly on about, it's about like the corner of Fifth and Monroe. Uh, little like Italian, kind of nice place. They do this thing there. So I'll let you in on a little secret. That is really worth it. It's called the Shut Up and Eat. You go at 9 o'clock from Wednesday, I believe, to Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. And going at 9 o'clock, you sit at the bar. You say, I'm here for the Shut Up and Eat. They'll give you whatever they want to give you, but it's only 10 bucks. And I did this last week with a couple of friends, and it was, like, awesome. They had brought okay. out, like, these pork ribs and this gnocchi and uh, this chicken parm thing. And it was just, like, a ton of food. And for the three of us, it was only 30 bucks, uh, and it was really good. You, you don't get to pick again, but, like, you know, if you have any dietary restrictions, they'll work with you. You know, they ask you, like, hey, are you, you know, a vegan or a vegetarian or allergic to anything? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. So check that out. Mato Mio in Philly on 5th and Monroe. Uh, okay. And that just about does it, Jimmy. Um, you should check out Right to Spell on Craft Turkey by going to rightdispellon.com. Discount code BGN15. Check out phillyvoice.com for Jimmy's work, quittinggrenation.com for my work. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon. Did I say I am Twitter and Instagram or I am on? I'm on Twitter. I'm not, I not, I am not 
am Twitter and Instagram. I am on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brandon Gowton. Uh, Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. BGN underscore radio is the place to find the podcast on Twitter at Bleeding Green for Bleeding Green Nation's Twitter account. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it, Jimmy. We'll be back after this game, obviously, for a week 11 after we see what the Eagles do against the Broncos. And until next time. Goodbye, everybody. P G N. <laughs>